we have a theme verse. The verse that we keep coming back to throughout this series is 1 John 4, 1, 9. 1 John 4, 19 that says this. We love because he first loved us. Say that with me. We love because... And that is just a powerful truth. It's where we will be for the next few weeks. We're going to take 1 John 4 over 40 times in the book of 1 John. John uses the word love. He focuses in on it. It's key to him. If you read through what John wrote about Jesus in the gospel of John, you see he emphasizes what Jesus said about love. This is a significant theme. And we're going to talk about it in particular out of 1 John 4 for these next few weeks. And we're going to see what love is, how do we find it, where is it it what's it look like because love is such an important topic and we we talked last week about this truth if you remember this is a i don't know it's just really a cool idea to me that that people like good music and oftentimes people will hear the music before they understand or listen to the lyrics you'll have a song that gets in your head it's usually not because of the lyrics it's because of the music but if you make good enough music people will come close enough to hear what the lyrics have to say right now That's key then. If you want to give a communication of good lyrics, then you have to have good music. Your life should be such beautiful music that it gets stuck in people's heads and they want to come and hear what you have to say. But the converse is not always true. Just because the music is good does not mean that the lyrics are always great, right? It doesn't mean that they're always intricate or detailed or incredibly meaningful. Let me share a few songs with you. I'm not going to sing them. I'm not going to play them. I'm just going to read some of the lyrics to you. You'll probably recognize some of them. These are some of these uh, roll your windows down and drive in the summer with the radio loud kind of songs. Some of you, depending on what era of time you're from, you'll remember some of these. Like here, And listen to how intricate these lyrics are. Are you ready? I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. Then it gets more detailed. You ready? I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. And I want to feel. I want to feel what love is. And I know. I know you can show me. Pretty, pretty. It says, hey, hey. Hang on, sister. It gets better. here's, um, Here's this great hymn of the church. A lot of you remember this one. Oh, baby, baby, where did our love go? Oh, don't you want me? Don't you want me no more? Oh, baby. Do you remember that one? Remember that one? Okay, here's, here's a newer song. We've never sung this one in church, but you've probably heard it somewhere. It's very detailed lyrics. Are you ready? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Okay? And, last one, and if you know this one, say it with me. You've lost that loving feeling. Whoa, oh, that loving feeling. Wow. You've lost that loving feeling. Now it's... Yeah. Some, some of you, some of you, one, that the way you all jumped in on that song, there's some real bitterness in this room. That's number one. Number two, that didn't happen in any of the other services. You, this is, you, y'all's hurting. The other thing is, some of you just heard something you're never going to be able to unhear. That was, that was terrible. Here's the deal. You go to the billboard charts over the years, over 80% of the songs are about love. They're about romance. 
Love that is longed for, love that is lost, hearts that are broken, joy that is found. It is about love. It is a theme. It is a song that we sing. It is what monopolizes so much of our lives, finding it, keeping it, losing it. It's, 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 it's key to what we sing about. It's key to Scripture. It's key to this serve week. We love because he first loved us. But let's be honest. Do you always feel like loving? Not always. You don't always feel like expressing it. It's not always something that's just bubbling up inside of you. What do you do in those times when, well, there's probably no better way to say it. What do you do in those times when you've lost that loving feeling? And it's gone. 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 Whoa. Right? Like, think about this. You're driving in the parking lot. Somebody cuts you off, steals your parking space. Do you feel love? No, you jump out of your car and you go, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more, right? I mean, that's that moment when these things come to our mind. There's these moments where you don't feel like loving your family, do you? There's these times when you love your kids, but you ain't loving your kids in that moment. When you look at your boss, when you look at your coworker, there's times when you go, baby, baby, where did our love go? What happened? Because I don't feel it. See, there's these times when there's these people that are just different from us. There's just some people, let's just be honest, there's just some people we do not like or we don't get along with. Somebody's laughing up there. Hey, it might be you. You don't know. You don't know, all right? And there's this pressure in life that comes to us sometimes that even if it's people that we love the most, we're so drained, we're so worn out, we're so tired of giving emotionally in so many other places, then when it comes right down to maybe even our own living rooms, they're really not loving rooms. So what do we do in those times? What do we, what do, we do in those moments? Today what I want to do, I just want to take two verses out of 1 John chapter 4. I want to talk about this. What do you do when, maybe when you just say, when you lost that love and feeling, How do you get it back? Where do you find it? Where does love come from? John talks to us about this, and he wants us to grasp this. Let's look at it. 1 John chapter 4. We're just going to look at verses 7 and 8 today. And what I want to do is I want to read them. Then we're going to take it kind of phrase by phrase. We're going to explore what this means to us, unpack the truths that are there, and see how it applies to our lives. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7 says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So let's do this. Let's take it just kind of phrase by phrase. Let's see what John is saying here. See how it applies to our lives. Let's start with the first two words. He begins what he says. He's going to talk to him about where love comes from. And he starts by saying this. He says, dear friends. Now, to be honest, a lot of times that's, that's the kind of stuff you just skip over. You think he's just kind of being nice. Like when I write a letter, I just, I just write, Dear George. I just, I just put the letter out there. Why? Because it's just what we do. And we just assume that. But what John's saying here is so much more. Because when he says, Dear friends, he writes to them. He's using, a, it's just one word actually in the Greek language, in the original Greek that it was written in. And the Greek word is agapetos. Which, if you're familiar with the word agape, have you ever heard that? Maybe you've been in church. That's the New Testament word for love. For God's um unrestricted, unending love for us. His love that he gives without expecting love in return. So do you hear what he says here? He says to them, I am writing this to you who are loved. 
We translate it sometimes, dear friend. You might have a Bible version that says, and this is, this is maybe the more accurate word, beloved. You who are loved. That's who he's talking to. And man, is that not the most significant place for us to begin? Because I can't give what I don't have. If you catch me in the atrium after service and go, hey man, you got $5 million you want to give me? First of all, no, I don't want to give it to you. And two, I don't have it, right? Why? Because I can't give you what I don't have. I don't have five million bucks, so I can't give it to you. If I don't have love in my life, how can I be expected to be a channel for love? How can I be expected to give love to other people? So here's what John does right at the very beginning. He gives them no excuse. He says to them, you are my dear friends. You are beloved. You are dearly loved. I'm going to talk to you about giving love, but I'm going to start here by telling you this. You are loved more than you can imagine. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. He's already told them this, but look at what he says. 1 John 3, 1. He says, see what great love the Father has, look at this word, lavished on us. That we should be called children of God, and that is what we are, exclamation point. You want to know what you are? You are people who God has not just kind of dealt his love out to. He's not just sparingly poured it out. He's lavished it on you. Isn't that a cool word? He's lavished it. He's given it without restriction. He's given you not just what you need, but more than you need. He has given you so much love to the point that he has not only just said he loves you, but he's called you his children. And if anybody challenges you about that, if anybody says you're not that, by this, he's lavished you with his love. You are his children, and that is what you are, exclamation point. Don't let anybody tell you any different. That is who you are, that is what you are. And there is a rich well for you to draw from to have love in your life because your father has loved you so much. That's good news, isn't it? For some of us. But others of us, we are kind of challenged by that. Now, I'm well aware some of you in this room probably aren't going to understand this. But for a lot of you, when I say God loves you so much, it's kind of hard for you to handle because I, I got a couple of friends that they, and I, I, they think this way. Anytime something begins to go good for them in their lives, they start to look for the ways it can go bad. Because they've lost so much. They've been hurt so much. They've had pain. They've had disappointment. They've had love gone bad. That whenever things start to look good, they just start to look for the ways that it's probably going to go bad. Because it's too good to be true. And if I'm going to open up to this kind of love, I'm going to make myself more vulnerable, vulnerable than I want to be. And so what happens, and for some of you this may be the case, it's hard for you to accept that kind of love. And as a result, it's hard for you to show love to other people. Because you, you have a hard time receiving that love from God. And so it's hard for you to give it to others. And let me just make this very clear today. I don't know what other people have done to you. I don't know what your experiences have been. I don't know where you've been hurt. But I do know this, that our identity is defined by God's love for us. You are his child. It's not defined by what anybody else has said about you. It's not defined by what anybody else has done to you. It's not defined by your loss or by your hurt or by your pain. God says this, how great is the love your father child has lavished on you. Because you are his child. And if anybody challenges you, you just tell them, that's what I am, exclamation point. Because sometimes there's confusion about our identity. Right now, in our midst, 
there is, uh, there is a rock star. It is my daughter, Carissa. And every Sunday morning at 1130, she serves down in the preschool area. And uh, she's just, she's awesome. She's so good with the kids. And the kids love her. She came out of there. She worked with the kindergarten kids last Sunday morning during this service. And she came out of there and she says, Dad, I got to tell you a story. She said, we were standing in the, in the classroom. She's working with the kindergarten. It's like five, six years old. And in the classrooms, you might not know this. In all the classrooms, there's a TV. And they use the TV for two different things. One, they, if they want to show a video to the kids or something like that, they can do that. The other thing is when it's not a, a video or anything, it's actually a, a live stream of this service that goes back to those classrooms. So that the teachers and the, and the people working with the kids back there can know what's going on in the service and they can pray for the sermon to end and that kind of thing, right? That's, that's kind of how it works. So last week, last week Chris is in there, the kids are all playing and I come up on the TV and I'm up there and I'm preaching and this one little kid stops and he just starts staring at the TV and he's looking up there and he's watching me preach and as he's looking, he looks up and he goes, look, it's Joel Osteen. <laughs> And I'm like, bigger church, whiter teeth, better hair. There's, it's just not, it's just not. Apparently that kid thought I was living my best life now. And it's just kind of, you know. And um, I've never, that's never been, never been my role model. But um, so, so he goes, look, it's Joel Osteen pointing up at the TV. And this one little girl just kind of looks at him like, you dummy. And she looks at him, she goes, no, that's Pastor Chad. Which to her was like better because like I'm a rock star to her. She's like, I don't even know who that creepy looking guy is, but that's Pastor Chad, you know. Um, There will be times in life when people will tell you what you are or try to define you. And you'll look up and and you'll say, look, I'm, I'm God's child. He has lavished his love on me. That is what I am. And people will tell you, no, you're not. And life will say, no, you're something different. And that's when you say to them, look, there's no correction necessary on this one. I know that my Father God loves me so much that he lavished his love on me, and that's what I am, exclamation point. And for some of you, that's where it's got to start. That's where it's got to begin. That's why John started there. He says, before I challenge you to love other people, let me remind you how loved you are, and so I say to you, beloved, dear friends, let us love one another. Let us love one another. Why is that so significant? Because get this, if God has loved us so much, then the natural response is for us to love other people, isn't it? If he's put that love into us, then the reason he does it is so that we can be a channel to others. His love to us should make us more loving. And then the truth is, this is in every area of our lives, and it's true in how you watch people respond. Our natural response to love is to love. Our natural response to love is to love. When you are loved, it creates a more loving spirit in people. Isn't that true? And so recognize this. God loves us so much that the natural response for us to that is that we love other people. Let us love one another. So let's let's kind of pull off the side of the road here for a moment. Go, okay, well, well, how do we do that? What's that look like? Well, let me challenge you just a couple of ways. One, I think that means that we love our brothers and sisters. It means that we love our brothers and our sisters. Now, that's not necessarily our siblings, although our parents would appreciate that. What the New Testament talks about when it speaks of brothers and sisters is this. If God is our father and we are his family, then you're my brother and my sister. So it's talking about loving the church. 
those that we share faith with. And we are to love our brothers and sisters. Why does John make a big deal out of this? And, and you'll, you'll see it when you read through 1 John. He says this over and over again. He makes a big deal out of it because this church that he was writing to, and many believe it was the church in Ephesus, which, which just a side note, I've gone back and I've looked at, at what, what I've been privileged to preach over the course of this year, 2015. And we've spent almost our entire year in the book of Ephesians, talking about this church in Ephesus. And when we get back into the fall, we're going to go back to the book of Ephesians. For some reason, God's drawing our attention to this. And Paul's writing to that same church, or or John is, excuse me, writing to the same church that we've been reading about what Paul said. And he's writing to them, and he's saying to them, look, I'm telling you what to do. And in so many ways, guys, you're not doing it. And if you really know God, if you really love him, then you're going to live the way that he wants you to live. So here's what I'm saying to you. Love one another. Look, a church can be big. And a church can have great music. A church can have preaching that keeps you awake. A church can have um, uh, outreach that goes out into the community and changes people's lives. But understand this, if a church does not have love, if the church doesn't love one another, if at some point they're not reaching out to each other, if they're not there for each other in both the good times and the tough times, then the church loses its strength. I would challenge you, how are you expressing your love to others? How are you showing your love to your brothers and your sisters? Because that's where the church finds its strength. So when John says, let us love one another, in part, he's talking about the church being the church and loving each other, loving our brothers and our sisters. He's also talking about this, I think, though. Let me meddle and get a little more personal for a moment. I think he also wants us, we we should love our spouse. We love our spouse. Now, for those of you that are married, this is, this is key. And, and, and you could probably exchange spouse for family, kids, however that plays out. But what's interesting is this. Many times, we, we can be cool to high-five somebody in the atrium and talk to our friends and show love to those that are in need here at church. And then we get in the car and we're grumpy all the way home. And it's, it's, it's so essential for us that we show love to those people who we say we love the most. And sometimes... That can be the trickiest thing. Sometimes that can be the most difficult thing with our children, with our spouse, with our family to do that. Why? Because our guard is dropped and, man, they have to love me. (laughs) But we show our love for them. And here's what I've found to be true, whether it's our family or in any other way. Think about this statement. Love is the generator of love. Love is the generator of love. Because I'll, be I'll be in a relationship, conversation with my kids, interaction with my wife, even outside of the family setting, where I don't feel love, where does that love come from? Well, at some point, love has to start somewhere. So how do I bring love into that relationship? I have to start by showing love. Love generates love. Love is the generator of love. If you want that love to be shown in that relationship, at some point, you have to be the first one to show it. If you've never, as a couple, and I'm speaking to married couples here, if you've never been through the love and respect curriculum, um, and we'll, we'll offer a class again, I think, this fall, the love and respect marriage material, I think, is the best stuff that's out there. And they talk about this crazy cycle that you can find yourself in, where you're not showing respect and you're not showing love for one another. And the only thing that breaks that crazy cycle is if one person will show love. Because the only way you're going to get love into an unloving relationship is for someone to begin by showing that love. Does that make sense? Love generates love. Love is the generator of love. So whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your spouse, wherever it might be, where does it begin? It begins by you saying, look, I, I don't want this unloving situation anymore. I'm going to be the one that breaks the crazy cycle. I'm going to be the one that starts by showing love. Why is that so critical? 
John says that we need to love one another. So we love our brothers and sisters. We love our spouse. We love our family. Here's the third thing. We love the world. We love the world. We saw this last week, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. It's everybody. We're to love the world. And this is so, so significant. Because here's, here's what Jesus said is so important about this. John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus is talking to his disciples and says, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know. Look at this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If, if you want to prove um, paternity, if you want to prove genetics, in fact, if you, you want to go to a crime scene and figure out who did something, we don't really use fingerprints anymore. What do we use? We're high tech. We use DNA, right? Because it will go right in and it'll show you where you've come from, what you're made of, what your heritage is, who, your, who your, your father is, where all that shows up. It's the DNA. This is what Jesus is saying. Look, if somebody's going to investigate the church, if somebody's going to find out who the church is and where they've come from, and this is interesting, it's not going to be based on the cause that we trumpet. It's not going to be based on how loud we can talk. It's not even going to be based on how impressive we look. Here's what he said. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If there's a DNA test done on the church, you know what will prove it? Love. The DNA of the church should be the love of God. Not just our words, not just our (laughs) t-shirts. It should be the love of God. Which then reminds me of something so key. What does John say? What did Jesus say? They said, dear friends... Love one another, which is a reminder that love is a choice, not just an emotion. Love is a choice, not just an emotion. Well, uh, I, don't, I don't feel like loving you. Too bad, you got to anyways. Why? Because love is a choice. It's key in our families. It's key in our workplace. It's key if we're going to be the church. Even when I don't feel like it, I choose to love. Love is a choice, not just an emotion. Why is this so important? Go back to verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. John says, dear friends, love one another. Why? For love comes from God. You see, God's the source. He's the one that that love comes from. It's not just what's inside of you. It's him inside of you that makes the difference. Love comes from God. That's why we know this. God is the source of love. If you're looking for love, if you're trying to find it, where will it show up? It'll show up from God because God is the source of love. So much so that if he's living inside of you, it should produce something. What does Paul say? Galatians chapter 5. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and what's the first one he lists? Love. Now he lists others, but many theologians believe that love is the primary one. The fruit of the Spirit. If it's, if it's active in your life, if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, if God's Word is changing you, then love will be what comes out of you. Consider this. Living things naturally bear fruit. If something is alive and healthy, it's going to bear fruit of some kind. Several years ago, we, we planted an apple tree in our front yard just because we thought it would look cool. Didn't think about the fact Guess what's going to come off that tree? Apples. So then we got to pick them up and throw them at the kids. I mean, it's that, you know, it's that kind of thing, right? Why? How's this play? It's going to produce apples. There's no switch on the back of the tree that I can go over and go, nah, no apples this year. It just naturally does it. If it's a healthy tree, what's it going to do? It's going to produce fruit. So if you are a healthy believer, understand this, that love is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
If we have God living inside of us, if the Holy Spirit is in us, then no matter what life brings our way, something beautiful should be produced from inside of us that is the love of God coming out of us. When we bought our house in the backyard, there were some daylilies. And they're, and they're cool. You know, they're the, they're the green things come up, and then they got the yellow things that come out of them. Do you know what I mean? I think they're called flowers. So you got these daylilies that, that, that bloom. But as we started moving some things around in our backyard, doing some different landscaping, Ron was like, I, I don't really want those there anymore. So we, we cut them down, pulled them out until the next year. And guess what happened? They came back. There they were. We're like, we didn't invite you here. So you know what we did? Cut them down, pulled them out till the next year. And then they came back better than ever, stronger than ever. Now, I'm not a horticulturist, but I, I think there's a bulb down in there somewhere, right? And at some point, if I want these things to stop coming up out of the ground, I'm going to have to go down, dig that thing up, and pull it out. Because there's something down in there that keeps producing this. Here's the deal, though. Every year they come back, they come back more beautiful. They're awesome this year. We're just living with them. Because they just keep coming back. Look, even if life cuts you down, even if people try to pull you around, there should be something so beautiful inside of us because of God's love that that keeps coming out of us. Does that make sense? That's the way we're designed. That's the way it should work in our lives. Love should be the natural overflow of our lives and not just a forced response. Now, we have to choose to let God's love come through us, right? That's why he says to us, love one another. You need to love one another. It's a reminder, love one another. But at some point, it's not just love I conjure up. It's God's love inside of me that causes this to happen. So last week, we talked so clearly. Do you remember last week how we talked about what the truth is? About how cultural values are coming into conflict with what the Bible teaches. And as a result, as followers of Jesus Christ, it's imperative that we be people of the truth, people of God's word. But remember what Paul said, Galatians chapter 4, verse 15. He says, we are to speak, we are to live the truth. But if we're going to live the truth, make sure that you, remember when he said, speak the truth in love. And here's the deal, friends. If you can't do it in love, please don't do it at all. Because you're just making the rest of us look bad, including Jesus, right? So if that's the case, we got to know where this love comes from. It can't just be my own definition of love that I try to conjure up. It's got to be God's love inside of me. So that's why John says this. Look at the end of verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Then he says, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. What's he mean by that? Well, two quick things. The believer is born of God, he says here. The believer is born of God. Now, that's an analogy that John in particular uses quite a bit. You'll see it multiple times in 1 John. In his gospel, John chapter 1, verse 12, he says that to as many who believed in Jesus, he gave them the right to be called children of God. He is their father. We are born of God. So much so that in John 3, 3, do you remember when, when Jesus was talking with that guy Nicodemus? And Nicodemus said, how do I find eternal life? Jesus said, let me tell you the truth. You must be, do you remember what he said? You must be born again. So he uses this analogy over and over again. That if God is our father, we are born from him. And that means, that means this. 
I had the privilege this last week to, to be out of town for a few days and speak at a, at, a, at, a, at a camp, at an event for a lot of different churches in our, in our Assemblies of God Fellowship here in, here in Ohio. And so we were at this campground and we were in this cafeteria and my family was with me for, for part of the time. And then one day at lunch I was sitting there, so I was in one seat, my son Clayton was in the other. And this little lady comes up behind us and she walks up to Clayton and she says, you must be his son, pointing at me and talking to Clayton, at which point he kind of went, um, why do you say that? He's a little nervous. He's like, I don't know that I want to claim this guy. You know, it was that kind of thing, right? He's like, why do you say that? And she goes, well, I'm, I'm looking from behind and I can see that you both have the same body posture as you sit here. So apparently you must be father and son because you, you look so much alike. To which I'm like, yes. And Clayton's like, oh man. But you've heard the saying, right? Like father, like Son, what do they say? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. My grandma used to say when I would do something like my dad, she would say, well, you don't lick that off the grass. <laughs> no, no, grandma, I don't. No, I don't. That's, that's gross, grandma. I don't even know what that means. You don't lick that off the grass. What? What does that even mean? But the idea is this. Children will take on the traits of their parents, right? Have you seen that to be true? I mean, sometimes I watch something wonderful come out of my kids and I'm like, that's me Sometimes it's frightening what comes out. That's Rhonda. You know, you have those, you have the, no, no, it's still me, to be honest, it's still me. Here's the deal. The child of God should have the family traits of their father. If God is love, then how should we look like him? We should resemble him in how love comes out of our lives. The child of God should have the family traits of their father. Because John says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Been born of God and knows God. So the believer is born of God, but he also says that the believer knows God. The believer is not just born of God, but the believer knows God. That word know is interesting. It's not this. Like you may go out in the atrium after service and you may see somebody and be like, oh, I know who that person is. I've seen them or I've heard of them or we have a mutual friend. You'll be like, okay, I know who that person is. But that doesn't mean you know that person. There's a difference between me pointing across the atrium and go, okay, I knew who that person is. Or me walking up to my friend and giving him a handshake or giving him a hug and be like, hey man, what's happening? And I know something that's going on in their life and I actually know how they think. I know what they value. I know what's important to them. There's a difference about knowing about somebody and actually knowing someone, right? And here's what John says. He says, love is in us because we're not only born of God, our father's traits come out in us, but we know him. See, this is where some people get church mixed up because they think church is all about what we know instead of what we know. See, religion instructs us, but relationship changes us. I can know stuff or I can know someone. Religion is when I know stuff. And look, it's important to know stuff. You gotta know what you believe. You gotta know what's right. You gotta know what's wrong. But if that's all it is, it leaves you empty. There's no, there's no relationship in that. Religion instructs us, but relationship, now relationship changes us. It makes us different. And then as a result, the love of that person that we know comes through us. I spent some time with some friends lately. And uh, we, like we spent several hours together and then I got in the car and I started to talk. And when I talked, I realized I was using the same kind of just the, my, my words, my pace, my inflection sounded like that person. Have you ever seen that happen? You spend a week in the South. Do you get a draw? You kind of pick that up. It kind of starts to happen. Why? Because if you're around that person, if you know them, you become like them. And it's unique how that happens 
So much so, look at what John says. And, and, and don't, just, don't just let this verse go by. I think this is key for us. First John chapter 4, verse 16. Verse 16, John says this. And so we know and rely, circle that word rely in your head. And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. You see how interrelated that all is? It's love that we choose that God has put in us that comes out of us because he lives in us. I mean, look at that verse again, 416. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. It's God inside of us who we rely on that allows us to love other people. And I think that word rely is such a, such a critical word. Consider this. To rely is to show an active dependence. If you're going to rely on someone or something, then you, 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 you show an active dependence on them. You need them. You need that to be able to do what you're going to do. Think about this. If I'm going to drive from here to home, I actually rely on the gasoline in my gas tank if I'm going to get there, Right? Because I'm just going to end up going nowhere if I don't have it. I rely on food in my body if I'm going to be strong, if I'm going to be healthy, if I'm going to be able to do it. If I don't eat right, I can feel it. I know it. I rely on that food to help me do and be what I need to do. In the same sense, to rely is to show an active dependence. And we cannot live out love without an active dependence on God. We cannot live out love without an active dependence on God. At some point, at some point, we have to realize that we rely on Him for that love to be in us. Now, where have we been? Dear friends, that means He loves you. Let us love one another in the church, in our home, in the world, because love's from God. He's the source because I'm born from Him, right? I'm His child, and I know Him. And if I know him, if I have a relationship with him, then that love will be kind of in my life. But here's the deal. It's interesting that John uses the word rely because some of you, when, when we started this today, and I said, um, we're going to talk about what do you do when you don't feel like loving, you went, that's me. I don't have a whole lot of love in me. And the bottom line, that's just the reality of life. I'm just going to be honest with you. There, there are some people... I mean, none of them come to this 1130 service, but there are some people that it is just hard for me to love. It's just difficult. Their, their personality, that's just irritating. Do you know what I'm talking about? In fact, you might be them in the wrong service. I mean, it's just, it's just you know, there's just some people that you're just like, it's just hard for me to love them. And sometimes it's not even them. Sometimes it's me, Right? Sometimes I'm just tired or I'm distracted or I'm frustrated and it puts me in a place where it's hard for me to love. I'll just, I'll just be real honest. One of those places is right in our home. Now look, my, my wife is awesome. She's, she's a saint. If you don't know Rhonda, she's, she's just, I'm so thankful for her and her life. But there are times when it's hard for me to show her love. Now, she has publicly said she has never experienced that towards me. But on my end, sometimes it's hard for me to show her love. Here's the truth. Usually, not usually, always. It's not her fault. It's mine. So many times it's not because of the person that she is. It's because of the person that I am. I'm the one who doesn't have the love inside. 
And it's hard for me to do that in those moments. You know what that's like. You know what it's like maybe because of the loss that's in your life. You know what it's like because your kids have just drained you dry. You know what it's like because there are people in your world. There are people in your world for some of you who not only is it hard to love, they make it hard for you to love them. They push you. They prod you. They know your faith, and so they try to challenge it. They want to get you to the brink, push you to a point where they can look you in the eye and say, well, that wasn't very much like Jesus, now was it? You know those people, right? That's, that's reality. What do you do in those moments? What do you do in those times? You rely on God's love. Look, there's been more than one occasion where I'm standing there talking to somebody and I have to say, God, help me love this person. Lord, I don't have it in me right now, but I know you do. I need your love in me to come through me so that I can rely on you to love this person. If you and I are having a conversation and I close my eyes for a minute, you know it's you. Okay, because I'm praying. No, 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 I'm just kidding. I, I can pray with my eyes open. Um, but it's the truth, right? There are times when we need to stand before our spouse. There are times when we're on the phone. There are times before we sit down at our desk or walk into work that we need to say, God, I need your help today because I don't have it in me. But you in me has it. And so, God, I need you in me. I rely on you in me so that I can show love in this moment to my family, to these people. Is it easy? Nobody said it was going to be easy. But we choose that. And we choose to rely on God's strength and his love in us. And this leads us to a really interesting point because the opposite is true. Watch, watch what John says in 1 John 4, 8. He not only says that we can rely on his love, but he says this, whoever does not love does not know God. Well, that's bold. He says, whoever does not love does not know God. I, I, I had this happen to me recently where, where somebody was trying to, I don't know, they were trying to kind of be kind of cool about something. They were telling me that they knew somebody. Have you ever had that happen? Like people are like, oh, I know such and such. I know this person. What they didn't know is that I also know that person. And they had met this person one time. I had their cell phone number in my phone because I was texting them the other day. So there's a real difference between I met them once and this is my friend. And so they start telling me about this person like I've never met them and like they know everything about them. And I know enough about that person to realize that this guy that's trying to show off to me knows nothing about them at all. Because what they're describing just shows you've, you've met this person on the surface. You don't know this person in their heart. Because if we know God in his heart, then what will come out of us? His love, right? So this is what John says. John says, look, whoever does not love does not know God. Let me put it in a little bit clearer language for you today. You do not know God if you do not show love. And that's a challenge. That's something for us to consider. That if we say we know God, but it's not coming out in our lives, you do not know God if you do not show love. Which then causes me to give my heart a little checkup. Because there are times in my life when I don't feel like loving people. And maybe that challenge isn't because of the people. Maybe that challenge is because of me. Because maybe the reason why it's hard for me to love you is because I'm not loving God the way I'm supposed to. Because if there's something that's blocking me from the source, then it's hard for that love to come through me. Does that make sense? So it might be a good time for you to give yourself a little conversation and ask yourself, if your love for others is lacking... Your love for God may be lacking. It might not be an issue between you and that person. 
It might just be a challenge between you and God. And maybe it's a good time for you to come back and strengthen your love, your love relationship with God so that you're able to live out that love towards others. When I, when I was in college, and I've shared this before, when I was in college, my, my freshman year, I was living in, in Missouri, and Rhonda was living in Ohio, and we were high school sweethearts, we were dating, and so we were gone. And back then, if we wanted to communicate with each other, I, I had this thing, you would plug a cord into a wall, and then it would come out to this little box with buttons, and then you'd hold something up to your ear, and you would talk. It was called a telephone. Do you remember those? You've seen them, right? You've seen them. I was no shooting her a text. It wasn't like calling her while I was driving. I mean, I had to, we, and it, you had to pay for it too. It was expensive. So she better know how much I loved her because I was calling her once a week, right? You know, it's like, hey, baby. You know, so that's going on. So, but the other thing we would do, not only would call, but she would take paper and write me love letters. And then she'd send them to me. And then she'd expect one back. And here's how this would go, right? And I'd, and I'd send them, I'd send them. So, but I'd get those love letters. Do you think I would read them just one time? No, I'd read them over and over. Every day. Why? Because I wanted to be reminded that I had value to somebody. And that when I remembered how much I loved her and how much she loved me, it affected the way I lived my life. If you're struggling in this area of love... Maybe it's a good time for you to go back and read some love letters. So now it's time for your homework. Here's what we're going to do next three weeks as a church. And I'm challenging you to join me in this. We're going to spend some time and corporately together. I want to challenge you to read with me as a church together some of God's love letters. Now, I know some of you already have a Bible reading plan. You're like reading through the Bible in a year. You've got something that you're studying. For some of you... You don't, you don't have anything. And maybe you're like, man, I've been wondering what I should read. I know I need to be in God's word. Here's what I'm going to do. Whether you already have a plan or not, I'm just going to ask you, read one chapter a day. And they're not long chapters. One's like only 10 verses. One's 21, 29, 13 verses. They're not, they're not a lot. You can do it in just a few minutes. But what if over the course of the next three weeks, before and during serve week, we took time and we as, as a body were reading these same passages together. I already told you over 40 times in the book of First John, he mentions the word love. Do you think it's important to him? It's a theme of this book. So what if we were putting that into our mind? So here's your homework. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it together. You ready? Tomorrow on Monday, I want you to read First John chapter 1. On Tuesday... I'd like for you to read 1 John chapter. On Wednesday, 1 John chapter. And on Thursday, chapter 4. On Friday, 1 John chapter 5. I kept it simple, right? On Saturday, we'll read 1 Corinthians 13, which happens to be what we refer to as the love chapter. And then on Sunday, just go crazy and read the whole book of Psalms. I don't care what you do on Sunday. On Sunday, I don't care. But what if we did this, this next week? What if we were reading these passages, getting God's word in our hearts, remembering his love letter that he wrote to us? All right, that's cool, Chad. Then what about next week? What if we read them again? Sometimes you got to marinate in something, don't you? What if we took the next three weeks, consistently read these passages of Scripture, and let what God's Word says about love speak to our hearts, challenge us, and develop this in us? I bet if we spent time in His love letters, it would change the way we love one another, right? Do you know why? One last thing, and we'll wrap up. What does John say? He ends verse 8 by saying this, because God is love. It's who He is. Everything he does is love. And, and don't, don't get confused in this because sometimes people, people flip this around and they say that love is God instead of saying that God is love. And then all of a sudden we define God based on what our definition of love is. 
That's why our culture can get so messed up in the areas of love and marriage and sex. Because we take our definition and we try to give it to God. The Bible does not say that love is God. It says that God is love. He's the definition of it. So love does not define God. God defines love. And he shows us what that is. And do you know what it is? It means this, that everything he does, he does out of love. So when he favors you, when you're blessed, it means he loves you. In those tough times, you can rest in the fact that even though he allows you to go through the tough times, somehow he does that because he loves you. When you experience loss, is it because he's ticked off at you? No. In fact, many times he's hurting more than you are. Just remember that even through that, he loves you. When we're disciplined, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that the reason he disciplines us is because like a father, he does it because he loves us. Because he's working this out in our lives. Recognize this, that no matter what God does, everything God does, he does in love, and so should we. Everything God does, he does in love, and so should we. So that's why... Those of us who are born of God and know him rely on his love so that when that person or that situation or that thing is right in front of us and it's hard for us to love, we say, God, will you let your love love through me? Because isn't that that our goal? It doesn't say in Scripture that that's how we win. Last night just before I went to bed, I I was looking at the news and I came across this story just from yesterday. It was really kind of interesting there's this huge race that they do in atlanta georgia it's a 10k called the peach tree the peach tree 10k Sixty thousand people run it that's way too many people to run with and um so it's a pretty big deal if you win it this guy named ben Payne was in the lead he had it clinched he was running yesterday and he got right up towards the towards the tape where you win this race and he knew I have this thing and so he kind of slowed down just a little bit and he put his finger up in the air to say I'm number one and as he did this British guy named Scott Overall ran right past him and beat him there's a picture guy on the left saying I'm number one British guy on the right saying no you're number two. First time a British guy's won on July 4th <laughs> you'll get that later The dude on the left is so sorry that he stopped and took a minute to celebrate and took his eyes off the prize. Serve week's going to be awesome. Hundreds of you are going to sign up. You're going to go out in the community. You're going to serve our community. You're going to make a difference. It's our goal. But don't forget this. We don't do this so we can celebrate who we are, how cool we are. We do it. What's the purpose? We win when we show love. We show it to the world. We show it to our families. We show it in the church. And I know for some of you, that's been hard. That when we talked about love, you were like, I'm out. But God says if you'll rely on him, he'll put it in you and love through you. So Carrie's going to lead us in a song that we sang earlier. Simple song. says, I could sing of your love forever. Because love in our hearts starts with our love for God, right? So just before, we, just before we walk out in just a minute, would you just stop and begin by thanking God that you are his beloved? In fact, if you're comfortable, just right from your seat, right where you are, would you just lift your hands to the Lord? Just begin to thank him for his love. And let's sing this song as Carrie leads us and remember his love today. Forever I could sing of your love forever. 
closed. I, I know you're hungry, but I think God wants us to do just one last thing. Because some of you came in here today, and as soon as I started talking about love, there may have been something inside of you that just said, ah, it's good, Chad. I know it's in God's Word, but I just, I just don't feel it. And then as we went through this, you realized, God, I need to rely on you. Maybe it's just that your relationship with God has been distant, and you need to say, God, I, I need to be right with you again. Maybe it's because you're just so tired. And life has had you so worn that you just feel like you don't have a whole lot of reserves left. Maybe it's because you truly are facing difficult situations or difficult people. And sometimes it's just, it's just not easy to love. But you realize today that God's love inside of you. Not your own love that you try to conjure up. But that prayer that you just breathe in a moment that says, God, I need your love in me. That's what you need to rely on today. And if that's the case, and before we go, I want to pray with you. I'm just going to, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I just, just very simply, if you would, before you walk out of here, if you would say, God, this week, I need your help. I need to rely on your love in me so I can show love to others. Would you just stand right where you are? If that's you, just, just right where you are. Jesus, know that clearly God's speaking to your heart. God, this week, I need to rely on your love in me so I can show love to others. I want to pray with you. Father, we, we, we could sing of your love forever. God, your love for us that you lavished, that you gave to us because we're your children. That's what we are. So, Lord, as a result of that, we want, because your love, we want to live love. Lord, we're reminded that if you're our Father, then that's who we are. That's, that's where we find our nature. It's the fruit that should come out of us if we know you. But Lord, sometimes it's hard, so we rely on you. God, we ask that your love would come through us in those moments of, of tension or in those moments of difficulty. Lord, as we, as we shoot up that prayer and say, God, would you help me to love? Would we be reminded that you're where love comes from? And then would you let your love come through us with that difficult person in those tired moments, in those, in those times of fear or concern? Lord, could we be people who live out your love because you first loved us? Lord, as we go out and we love the 419, may we not take our focus off of the purpose. May we not celebrate what we do and forget why we do it. May our lives be lives that show your love because God is love. Now, Lord, as we go from here, would you go with us? Send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.